thank you for your word. There's power in your word. There's anointing in your word, God. And so, Lord, today, God, we ask that you would move by your spirit. Father God, that this word today will fall, Father God, on good ground. And that this word, Father God, will bring forth fruit, Father God, unto thy kingdom, that, Father, you may be magnified and you may be glorified in the earth. So, Father God, we give this time to you and we thank you, Lord, by faith for those of us who will be changed in this particular season of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we had concluded last week our series on the kingdom of God. And I just want to encourage you all, I did burn some copies of the CDs to that. So I want you to grab that because we laid a series, we was laying a foundation about where we're going and about evangelism and how important the kingdom of God is. And so today, we're going to take a different turn and we're going to talk, we're going to talk today about seizing your divine moment. Seizing your divine moment. As I really begin to, uh, Lord, drop this in my spirit, because sometimes, you know, through the course of the week, I'm praying and I'm asking God, God, what is it that you would have me to say? And uh, God just dropped this thing in my spirit, and I have not been able to shake it ever since. And this is really, really going to be a powerful teaching today, because how many know that God give us moments of time? There are divine moments and opportunities that God give us, but how many know that you and I must take advantage of the opportunities that the master gives us? If I were to ask you, if you could capture a moment in your life, what would it be? Would it be a particular moment in the past, or would it be a moment of regret? What would that moment be? You see, the reality of it is that so many of us spend so much time thinking about past moments, and we don't realize that a past moment is just that. It's a moment that is gone. But if I were to say to you that your greatest moment, your most defining moment you know, in your life was right ahead of you. I mean, the moment that is going, that your life is going to change in, in a way that you never thought imaginable. If I were to say to you that your moment hasn't come, because many of us, we can look back and we think about certain things that happened in our life, and we tend to think, you know, that was a great time, and, you know, perhaps, you know, it's not going to happen like that again, or whatever the case might be. But God is here, listen, God is here today, and our greatest moment is ahead of you. Your greatest moment is ahead of you. You know, moments are like stars in the sky. There are so many moments. But the thing of it is, is that you and I never know how significant a moment is. We don't know how significant that this time that we have is. And so all that you and I have is this moment. This is all that we have. And so what you and I need to do is that we need to seize the moment that is before us. We can seize right now because how many know you can't go back and change what has happened? So many of us, we are stuck in a moment. We keep living in the past. And if you keep living in the past, you can never move forward and achieve your destiny in God. So there are significant moments and and God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. But how many know that we all must be willing to look ahead? We all must be willing to take hold of what it is that God has before us. Because how many know that God want to do something significant in your life? You see, the latter rain, we talk, we talk a lot about the latter rain and we talk about manna. But yes, yesterday's manna is not going to cut it. 
We need some new manner for today. And God has something brand new for you today. And I, I, listen, I just want you to focus because, you see, this is your moment of time right here. God can do something wonderful in your life if you would just believe it. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number three. I'll give you a second to go there. Philippians chapter number three. Many of us uh, uh, recognize this particular passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite passages. You see me, I quote this scripture all the time because the Apostle Paul is talking about all his achievements and he's talking about all of his accolades and how he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and how he was a doctor of the law. And this man was an incredible man of God. But Paul had come to this particular point in his life where he recognizes all the things that he had gained. He said they pale in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. He had come to recognize that Jesus Christ was, in fact, the most important thing in his life. And so Paul is laying the foundation, and Paul has come to this place in his life where he says that I want to know Jesus so badly that I want to fellowship with his suffering. He says, I want to be conformed to his death. This man had given it up. He'd given everything that he was to Jesus Christ because, you see, he got this revelation. And so we'll pick it up. What I say? Philippians chapter 3? Look at verse number 12. Paul says, not that, I have, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Paul says, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm making some strides. But listen to what he says. But one thing that I do, (laughs) forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. Now, here's a man, the Apostle Paul, he had persecuted Christians. I mean, he was overseeing Christians' death, and Paul was a, he was a vicious enemy of the Christian faith. Paul had every opportunity, you know, to perhaps to feel shameful for what he'd done. In fact, in one place in the scripture, Paul even says, you know what? You know, I know that I've blown it. I know that I've made some mistakes in my life, you know. And, but he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Here's what Paul had recognized. Paul had recognized that all that he had was this moment of time. Paul understood that. He said, listen, I, I must forget what is behind and I must reach for what's before. Because, you see, Paul understood that he would never, ever reach his destiny if he was stuck in the past. Of all the things that Paul had did, and not all of them were bad things. I mean, he talked about his accolades. But how do you know, it's good sometimes to kind of look back at the past and say, you know, I, that was great. God did some wonderful things. But how do you know, God never designed us to stay or to live in the past. It's good to go back and reflect. You hear people talk about, oh, I like it the way it used to be. You know, I like it the way it used to be. But how many know that God has given you a divine moment right now? So many people, they don't reach their destiny in God. So many people are stuck in a moment of time. And because they are stuck in that moment of time, they cannot reach before and seize the moment. There is something right in front of you that if you open your eyes and you seize the moment by faith, your most defining moment could happen today. 
Your most defining moment, your life-changing moment could happen right here today. But you and I must take the attitude of the Apostle Paul. Paul says, I got to forget what's behind. Because if you keep living in the past, you can't attain what God has in front of you. I have a, a friend that I know. And her husband died many years ago. And if you were to speak to her today, she still talked as if it happened yesterday. Now, this was many years ago. And one of the things that I, that I learned quickly, and, and, and every time I talk to her, it's the same thing. One of the things that I see is that she is stuck in the past. She keeps talking about, oh, how it used to be. And, oh, how, and, and you know what she's done? She hasn't moved forward not one step because she is stuck. And if you are stuck in past moments, you cannot reach the destiny that God has for you. The Apostle Paul understood that. He had every reason to feel ashamed for what he did. But Paul said, you know what? One thing I know, here's one conclusion that I've come to. I know I got to forget what's behind. If I'm going to reach my destiny, and you and I know that Paul did some great and mighty things. But Paul did not dwell on all of his mistakes and all of the stuff that he did in the past. He said, you know what? I got to let that go. And you and I must be willing to let go of the past. In a book called Ch- uh, Chasing Daylight, this author is named Irvin McManus. And here's what he says. He says, when you keep traveling backwards, it tears away at your soul. Studying history can be a powerful tool for launching into the future, but living in the past is an enemy of the future. You see how powerful that is? He says, living in the past is an enemy of the future because if we're so preoccupied with the past, we can't seize the moment that we have right in front of us. He understood that. Look with me in Luke chapter number nine. Luke chapter number nine. Are you still with me? Luke chapter nine, verse number 57. This beautiful noise, I like that. Hallelujah. The voice of life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 9, verse number 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. How many know that, how many people have heard people say that? You know, say that about the Lord. Lord, I will follow you, God, wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, get this, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus' tradition would have it that this man who was talking about burying his father, his father hadn't died yet. Many theologians believe that. But with Jesus, how many know that Jesus knows exactly where we are? Jesus always cut to the heart of the matter because Jesus understood that their heart was really stuck in the past. And then this other man, he walks up and he says, Lord, I will, I will, I will follow you, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But, but first, let me go back home. And Jesus says, nobody 
looking back, is fit for the kingdom. Now, what did he mean by that? Why did Jesus make such a profound statement? Because he knew where their heart was. And he knew that they loved what was back here, and they were not willing to give it up in order to achieve something greater for God. You see? You and I must be willing to achieve something greater for God. And sometimes God is going to ask us, listen, oftentimes he's going to say to you, you know, move forward. I have something better for you. But you and I must be willing to say, you know what? I got to look forward because, you see, the reality of it is, is you ever tried driving your car looking back? What's going to happen? You're driving your car looking back. You're probably going to what? Crash? You're probably going to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. Jesus says, you're not fit for the kingdom. Now, he's not speaking there about salvation. He's talking about if you and I are going to be effective for God, if we're going to be used effectively for God, we must learn to look ahead. Because if we keep looking back, you can't seize the moment that is right here before you. And many of us have places and our hearts are at certain places, you know, and we talk awful lot about what it used to be. But how many know that now it's time to move on? Because if we keep talking about what it used to be, we can't talk about what it is. (laughs) Now is the time. Now is your moment of time. Now is your most defining moment. All that you have is today. Tomorrow is not promised. You don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. We make plans and we talk about this. All we know is one thing. I know I got this moment and this moment I am going to magnify God. This moment I am going to seize and listen, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity that God has given me because all I have is now. You remember the story? Um, can somebody give me something to drink? You remember the story uh, over in uh, Genesis? A lot in his family over in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God decided that he was going to to wipe out all of Sodom and Gomorrah because the place was was heavy laden with sin and filthiness. And God said, you know, I'm going to judge that place. But Lot and his family was there. Lot was, the scripture says, a lot was a righteous man. And God, in his mercy, he sent some angels there to warn Lot that he needed to flee from that place because God was about to pour out his judgment on that place. And so the angel comes, and God now is about to pour out his judgment, and and the angels say to Lot and his family, now here's what I want you to do. We are going to flee out of this place, but here's what I want you to do. As you're running, don't look back. I just want you to keep looking forward. Don't look back now. So God now, he is raining fire and brimstone and his judgment is coming. And all of them, and the angels, he's snatching their hand and the angels are saying, come on, let's go. And Lot's wife decided to stop and take a look back. And here's what happened. The Bible says that she became a pillar of salt. In other words, she became steel, stuck in a moment of time. Many believers are that way today. Because they're stuck in a moment and they are not achieving their destiny because she, she, she stands as, a, as, a, as, a, as an example to all of us that you and I must not look back. The angel said, don't look back. And God is saying to you, don't look back. Don't look back because you see, I have something for you. 
And Lot goes on, and Lot goes on to make an impact for God and the rest of his family. But she stays back. She doesn't. And she becomes a pillar of salt. How many of you know people like that? How many of you are experiencing that right now? Some of us are haunted by, by things and moments of the past. You know how the devil keep telling you, how in the world could you have done that? I mean, you, how do you think that God is going to do this and use you for this when you've done that? When you've done this and you've done that. How many know the devil is always trying to condemn you and tell you about what you cannot do? And you know why the devil spent a lot of time reminding you of your past? So that you cannot lay hold on your future. That's why, he, that's why he does it. He spends an awful lot of time telling you about all the stuff, all the stuff that you did. Because he wants you to focus on the past so that you cannot reach your destiny. You cannot seize the moment that is before you. There are moments of time, and you and I must seize the moments, and we must, make, uh, we, we must take advantage of every opportunity that God has given us. Amen? Making the most of our opportunities. Colossians 4, 5. It talks about conducting yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders and making the most of every opportunity or moments. As I said a moment ago, we really know up front the significance of a divine moment. You know, there are, there are so many moments that God gives us. And so often we take, we take for granted the time that God has given us. There are opportunities. I mean, let's be real. I mean, we spend so much time involved in frivolous things. You know, we, we watch excessive amounts of TV, and we involve ourselves in things that doesn't really matter. But how many know that if you want to be blessed and you want to seize your moment, you got to be, got to put yourself in the place of blessing. You got to position yourself in the place where you can seize your divine moment. Let's say, for an example, you have an opportunity today to fellowship at the Jeffrey's house. Now, you got a choice. You can go home, you can sit, and you can watch TV all day long, or you can come out and seize the moment. Because you never know that there may be something at that meeting that, that may happen that may be the most defining moment of your life. You never, ever know that there may be some word given. There may be something. Many of you, you decided this morning to come to church. You could have decided to do something else. But you decided to take advantage of this moment because you are believing, because you wouldn't be here, that God is going to speak to you. You are believing that God is going to give you a word and speak into your life. And so you put yourself in the place of blessing. In other words, you are now taking advantage of the opportunities that are before you, whether it's going to a conference, whether it's fellowshipping, whether it's sitting down with somebody, having a cup of coffee, talking about the goodness of the Lord. There are opportunities that God gives us each and every day. And we must be the kind of people to say, okay, God, use me today. Today is going to be my moment. You know, when you get up in the morning, when you, when you go to work or when when you come to church or wherever you go, we need to get up with an expectancy to say, okay, God, I want to be used today by you in a mighty way. God, speak something to me today. God, do some, something awesome in my life today. God, I'm believing you to touch me today. God, I want to be used by you today. God, every opportunity that you give me, I'm going to make the best of it because we can't change what's back there. What's back there has already happened. Can't live on yesterday's manner. 
The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Brand new mercies every day. There are, there, are, there are new blessings that lie ahead of us. And we must be willing to take advantage of those opportunities. Learn how to discern and hear what God is saying. Because the moment is yours. It's yours. It's yours to seize. It belongs to you. This is your moment. You got to believe it. Do y'all believe that? This is your moment of time if you believe it. This is an opportunity. As you sit and as you're listening, God is speaking to you. This is your moment of time. Make the very, very best of your moment. Oh, hallelujah. Make the best of your moment. Ephesians 5, 16. It talks about making the most of your time. What do most of us spend our time doing? What do you spend your time doing? You know, the, the devil, nowadays there are so many conveniences. You know, there are so many things that the enemy, uh, the, the world today is just so busy. He gives us so many activities, so many games, and all these various things that keep you busy, 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 busy. But do we really ever ask and say, God, what would you have me to do today? God, before I go and just decide to just do this, God, what is it that you want me to do? There is something of significance that I want to do today. I don't know about you, but I want to make an impact for God. I want to do something extraordinary for God. And, but but here's, the, here's the biggest thing, that God want to do it more than you. God want to use you more than you want to be used. Do you believe that? He wants to use you more than you want to be used. But we got to position ourselves for the blessing. Now, let's talk about some hindrances to seizing our moment. Well, the first one, and there are two, two things that hinder our, hinders us from seizing our divine moment. And one of them is fear, and the other one is making wrong choices. And let's, talk a moment for, let's talk a moment about fear. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, I believe 1.7, it talks about that how God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I mean, no, that fear is one of the things that has caused many people to fail to reach their destiny. Oh, you know, I can't, what if I fail? What if they reject me? What if they don't like me? I mean, I can't do that. And here it is, you feel God is telling you, you got to go step out and do it. And you're saying, well, I can't because I may not make it. I may fail. You know, I don't know how they're going to receive me. What if, what if, what if? How I many know we need to replace that fear with faith? Because fear is one of those things that will stop you from reaching your destiny. For an example, you may have a gift to sing. And you got, a, and you got some powerful vocal cords. And man, when you're at home, everybody is blessed when they hear you singing in the shower. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you. You need to go, you need to, go to church. You need to stand in front of those people, and you need to begin to sing. Well, I can't do that, God. I, I can't do that. I mean, I may hit a bad note. Or maybe, maybe you may have a gift to teach or to preach, and God may say to you, stand up, and I want you to go forth in faith and do it. I can remember that time when I was at, at Grace Covenant Church, and I've been burdened for many years to, to preach the gospel. And I remember being at this one church at Grace Covenant. And uh, 
and man, there were giants in the faith there. I mean, everybody was a giant to me. I mean, I looked at everybody. I'm like, man, everybody just knew the word. Everybody was just so articulate, and everybody was just awesome. And I just remember looking around like, Lord, I don't what do I have to offer here. I mean, these people are just, you know, I can, you know. And God kept saying, you need to go up. Because, see, there were opportunities that were given me. And many of times, I was worried, like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, but then God kept saying, you got to do this. If you're going to reach your destiny, if you're going to achieve what it is that I want you to achieve, you got to step into this thing. And I just begin to step up there. And I just begin to speak. Now, was I scared? Oh, man, my heart was beating real fast. Oh, it was beating. But you know what I said? I said, this is my moment. My destiny is tied to me getting up and doing this thing. Therefore, I got to do it. God has told some of you to do something, and you are afraid to do it. Fear has gripped you. And God is saying today, release. God is, God is releasing you from that because you'll never reach your destiny if you let fear lay hold of you. You remember the story of David and Goliath? Love that story. Here, David is, is about to fight this big giant. Everybody got giants in their lives. And, and Goliath is about, you know, he's a mountain of a man, somewhere around 10 foot tall. And everybody is, is talking about Goliath. And every time Goliath come out and talk to the armies of Israel, everybody just start running. And everybody is afraid. And Saul was the king of Israel, and he was afraid. Everybody was scared. And here comes David. I just, I, I love David. David just inspires me so much. Here it is, this little kid, probably 16, 17 years old. He happens to be within the earshot of the giant. And the giant is talking about how he's going to annihilate all the Israelites and all the armies, including Saul. All of them are running, and they are afraid to confront their giant. In other words, they are afraid to seize their moment. David says, he hears this man talking, he says, who is this? Who is this taunting the armies of the living God? I mean, who is this? Who does this guy think he is taunting the armies of the living God? And so David now, David had already been anointed by Samuel. David knew he had a call on his life. So David understood that God was going to do something significant in his life. And David has now this opportunity to confront this giant. And here this giant is, he's telling David how he's going to chop his head off and he's going to feed his flesh to the birds of the air. Oh, David, come on. David said, no, you come to me with a shield and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And the scripture says that David, he didn't just stand there. He didn't just stand back and hide behind a tree and sling his slingshot. If you go back and read the story, the Bible says that David charged after the Oh, my he charged after his giant. He was full of faith. Now, many people will say, well, David probably didn't have no fear. You know, probably the reason he was running was because he was scared. But he knew where to run to. He ran to God, and he replaced that fear with faith. And as David ran, David slung the slingshot, and that giant, he fell dead. Now, this was David's most defining moment. Listen, when you and I get to heaven, we have the opportunity to talk with David. I'm willing to bet that David would say, if, when he talks about his ministry, David, what was the most defining moment in your ministry? He's going to say, when I had to confront that Goliath. 
Everybody else was afraid. They wouldn't seize the moment. But David said, this is my moment of time. This is my moment to make an impact. And after David did that, he killed the giant. All the ladies and everybody began to celebrate and dance and, and talk about David and what David did. David's life drastically changed after that point. Why? Because he seized this moment. He seized the moment that was right here in front of him. He said, this is my moment of time. I'm going to confront this giant. And Lord, whatever happens, happens. You see, we need to come to that place where we say, you know what, God, whatever happens, happens. God, I'm just going to trust in you. I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in this thing by faith and I'm going to leave the results to you. And that's radical faith. And as David did that, he seized his moment. And guess, not only did he seize his moment, but this man seized his destiny. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. That moment of time right there was very significant. You don't know that perhaps your moment of time, that today there could be a moment of time that can be your most significant moment. You never know what God is going to do. And then making wrong choices. Number two. I know I'm driving Daryl crazy. How's that? <laughs> is that okay? Making wrong choices. How many know the choice is very, very important? Turn with me to Genesis chapter number two. The power of choice. You and I have divine moments, but it's very, very important that when we are in our moment, that you and I make the right choices. Because God has given us the power of choice. In Genesis chapter number two, Verse number 15, and it reads, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you shall eat of it you shall die. Now here it is. Isn't God wonderful? God gives, an ab- listen, there, there is an abundance of trees in the garden. There are so many trees in the garden. God says, God says, look, okay, Adam, you can eat to the full. You can, you can just enjoy yourself, have all the pleasures that you want. There's only one tree, Adam, that I don't want you to touch. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, as you read on in the story, guess what? Adam went ahead and he ate the fruit with his wife. He touched that tree of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. And he took of the fruit, which God said not to do it. And because of that wrong choice, the whole world was plunged into sin. The power of choice. The choices that you and I make are very, very powerful. So often we take for granted the choices that we make. And that's why we should be very, very careful about making choices too soon. Then we need to take some time and bathe things in prayer. And, we, and we, need to, we need to make sure that we are being consistent with the word of God. Because I mean, know when you disobey God in your moment, that there are some serious consequences to that. Whenever you and I disobey God, there are serious consequences 
And Adam and Eve caused the whole world to be laden in sin because of that choice. But the wonderful thing about that, because I mean, know that all of us from time to time we make wrong choices, that Adam and while Adam and Eve were hiding, God came looking for them. God said, Adam, where are you? See, when you and I blow it, because there are going to be times when we blow our moment, that God will come running and looking for you. Because I mean, know that he's a God of restoration. You remember the story in Exodus, in closing. The story of Moses in Exodus chapter number three. Here Moses, Moses has this, he's, he, was raised in, he was raised up in Egypt by Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses began to realize that, that God had called him to deliver the Israelites from bondage. But Moses also felt that all of the other Israelites would know that God had raised them up for such a time as this. And so in a moment of time, Moses makes a bad choice. He kills an Egyptian. Everybody knows about it. And Moses becomes a fugitive of law. And he is running from the law. And he ends up on the backside of a desert to the tune of about 40 years. The Bible says that he was content there. I mean, and I'm sure that Moses was thinking, you know, I had this opportunity and, you know, I I missed it. I I mean, I just messed it up. I mean, I I, I feel bad about this thing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go over here and I'm just going to just live my life out until I die. Because, you see, I had my opportunity. God gave me an opportunity. And perhaps right now you're thinking, you're saying, Pastor, you know, I'm thinking, I'm listening to you. There were opportunities and there were moments that God gave me and I blew it. And you're thinking to yourself, man, can I ever recapture that? The answer is no, you can't recapture that moment. But there can be a greater moment. And that is the moment that you have right now. Moses now, he's in this backside, he's in this desert for 40 years. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God shows up. A burning bush. It's a God of restoration. God can revive your dream. Even when you and I blow it, even when you and I mess up, and God says to Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Moses, I'm about to send you back to Egypt. And Moses began to think, oh, God, wait a minute. God, I mean, I can't do this. I can't do that. I mean, God, I mean, nobody's going to believe me. And Moses coming up with all this stuff. But how do we know that when God came to Moses, God did not come to Moses saying, Moses, you remember all the stuff you did back when you were in Egypt, how you killed that man, how you did A, B, C, D, E, F, G. God doesn't even talk about that. God doesn't even bring it up. God said, I'm sending you now. And Moses had a choice at that moment. He could have stood there and said, you know what? You know, you know I tried that, Lord. It didn't work. God, I mean, I tried to make a difference, God, but I acted impulsively. God, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I mean, I tried. And to some extent, he was trying to do that. Because if you go back and read the story, he's talking about, oh, God, I'm not articulate. Oh, God, nobody's going to believe me, you know. Nobody, nobody's going to fall for this. I mean, who am I even going to say sent me? Nobody's going to believe me. God says, tell him that I am, that I am sent you. And in a moment of time, Moses decided 
to make the best of the moment before him. He couldn't go back and change what he did, but you know what he had? He had a fresh new opportunity. A fresh new opportunity. And the Bible says, listen, God was so, listen, Moses was so close to God, the Bible says that there was never a man, God never spoke to a man like he spoke to Moses. Face to face. But here was a man that was a fugitive. Here was a man whose destiny, it appears, was over. Some of you have made some bad choices. You've wasted some moments of your time, and you're thinking that it's over. There are new moments. Now, it may not look like the last moment. Because, see, a lot of us, we keep thinking about the last moment, don't we? And because we are so fixated on that moment, we want this next moment to Go back and be like that last moment because I really like that last moment, God. I really like that back there. God is saying, no, I got something new for you. Moses go before Pharaoh in the power of the Holy Spirit. Moses does great and mighty work, miracles that people have never seen before. Moses achieved his destiny. Why did he achieve it? Because he had a moment and he decided to respond to it. You and I must decide to respond, to take advantage of our now. As I said earlier in this message, you cannot do anything about the past. I mean, you you may have had some great memories back there. That's good. But in the book of Psalms, it said, Lord, teach us to number our days. We're only on this earth for a short period of time. And I want to achieve my destiny. You know, when we talk about achieving our destiny, destiny is not like it's some plateau that you get to that you just kind of you just kind of go like this for the rest of your life and you just take it easy. You know, God designed us that we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Even when you reach what you think is your destiny, there is a revi- there's a there's a revision. There is another level at the at the point of your success. Constantly in your life, God designed us to always be moving forward. Constantly, consistently moving forward. If you haven't gotten anything else I said today, Forget what's behind. Now, I'm not saying that don't thank God for what he did in the past. Thank God for what he did if it was good. And if it was bad, you need to forget it anyway. (laughs) But seize this moment right here. God, what if I am still breathing? There is something for me to do today. Today is my moment. That's all I got. And I am going to make good use of my day. Because this could be your most significant moment in your life. Bow your heads in prayer with me. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you've given us moments of time. And Father God, we purpose, God, to seize the moments and the opportunities that are before us. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that God, that you would restore, God, the years that have been stolen. Oh, Father God, we know how the enemy is at work, God. But I pray, God, that those, Father God, that have felt 
rejected and those, Father God, who have felt that perhaps they have missed their moment of time, God. God, revive them. Even today, God, let today be something of a significant point in time in our lives. If it's, Father God, just this message, let it resonate, Holy Spirit, in the hearts of every person that we might make good use of the time and the opportunities that you have given us. Father, I pray a prayer of blessing and faith over your people to believe the impossible, God. We want to believe the impossible. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord. And we purpose today in a new way to seize our divine moments. We're going to seize, God, the moment, and we're going to redeem the time because we know that the days are evil. We're going to be preoccupied with serving you and making the best of what you've given us. Knowing that, God, that any moment could be our most significant. We thank you, Father, for hearing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand to you.